1: You do you. Let True Green do your lawn care. Visit TrueGreen.com to get the best lawn at the best price with the best people guaranteed.
2: We are trying to locate a lost child by the name of Athon
3: Pace. He is only six years old. He weighs 50 pounds, 40
4: inches tall, blonde hair, and blue eyes.
5: It's not like a case, you know, nowadays, where you may have surveillance video, you may have social media. So if this case was gonna get solved, you guys had to solve it. You had to walk, you had to talk to people.
6: We had to look at everything over again, take a fresh look, and we just kept pressing forward. We just kept looking at everything over and over and over again. Every missing child case is very important, but this was one of the oldest ones we had. It was Mm 30-something years' worth of investigative steps a six-year-old boy, you know? six.
1: I think it was one of the most significant unsolved cases in the history of New York City. When Eitan was lost in 1979, I think the city was in more of an innocent state of mind.
7: I mean, this is the first day he walked to the school bus. You could stand at that door and you can see the school bus stop. It's like right there.
2: We have always felt that he's alive. We have always kept up our hope that we would get him back.
8: We can't determine when it's going to end or if it's going to end. And we will keep hope and we will keep looking.
9: That photo will always haunt me. And every single day that I sent my son out to school, I thought of Eitan Patesworth. And I was one of eight million New Yorkers like that.
7: This is Washington Square Park, and this is significant because Jose Ramos, who was the main suspect in the case, said he met a boy over there by the fountain, molested the kid, and then said he let him go. They're trying to hook
2: me up with paints. That's bull.
1: When you looked at the evidence concretely about Jose Ramos, it was it was lacking. Look at this.
5: See this here? Back in 2010, Lieutenant Zimmerman had approached me and he said, Hey, you mind taking another look at this case? Cadaver dog. Cadaver dog. Indicated the presence of human remains. Human During remains the search here. Well, the separately.
6: case was always open, always looking for the needle in the haystack.
5: We have a suspect a dead in custody lead that forced the truth out of hiding. In the disappearance Platt. of Aton Page. The call comes into our office onto the phone right next to my desk.
10: Did you ever heard the name Pedro Hernandez before? No, sir.
2: I grabbed him by the neck. Mm-hmm. And I started to choking him.
5: Is,
0: do you recognize
11: this person? Yeah, that's him. The facts of that confession. Make no sense. He's unreliable because of his psychiatric condition.
10: You thought that you were looking at the man who killed Aton Pates?
11: Yes.
0: A sense of safety is important to everyone, and that's why I want to talk to you about Simply Safe. 20% off any new Simply Safe system when you sign up for Fast Protect Monitoring. Don't wait. Visit SimplySafe.com slash forty eight hours. That's simplysafe.com slash forty-eight hours. There's no safe like Simply Safe.
1: Sound the gifting panic alarm. We've all been there. You need to find the perfect gift. You have absolutely zero ideas and you don't know where to start. Etsy's got you covered. Need to find the perfect gift? Don't panic. Try gift mode on Etsy now.
10: After more than 30 years, it took a new team of investigators and a new prosecutor to breathe new life into an old case, trying to find out what happened to Aton paints District Attorney
1: Cyrus Vance Jr. You really should never close the book on a case if you think there's the possibility that it can be solved.
10: In 2012, investigators were literally digging for clues just blocks away from where Aton was last seen. After thousands of dead-end leads, the public held its collective breath, hoping this time the case might finally be solved.
8: Yes, I wish I hadn't let him go to the bus step that morning alone.
10: Aton Pates was just six years old, and like many kids that age, he wanted some independence. It was 1979, the last day of school before the Memorial Day weekend, and Aton's mother, Julie, finally agreed to let Aton walk alone to the school bus stop. It was just two blocks away from their Manhattan apartment.
8: Uh, my feelings that morning were very positive about his going.
10: Aton was carrying a book bag and a dollar to buy a soda at the corner store near the bus stop. And then he seemed to vanish. Julie and her husband, Stan, didn't realize their son was missing until that afternoon when he didn't come home from school. Julie called the school and learned Eitan never arrived, and his friends never saw him at the bus stop.
9: So she called the police. I didn't want to start with something bad happened to him. I would rather start in my mind, in my heart, that it was just a
10: missing person. Former NYPD detective Patrick Iannello
9: immediately headed to the Pates' home. And then we started to uh, knock on doors. Anyone see this boy? We worked all that day, we worked all that night, and then the following day I got home. And uh, I I was ready to break down myself. Because? Because I I saw my son. And he was a ton's age. Mm Mm-hmm.
10: A command center was set up right in the Pates' apartment
2: Both my wife and I continue to be confident that he is alive and uh, we hope he's being cared for by someone who uh, might want a child as adorable as he
8: The police did not know us We had to be cleared of suspicion as well as many other people
10: Aton's image was splashed on storefronts and in newspapers. Eitan's father is a professional photographer and took many photos of his son. These pictures captured the public's heart and captured Aton's spirit.
8: He's just bubbling over with life, and he always saw the positive side where other people saw negative. He's just, just an incredible person.
2: Our six-year-old boys are loving, trusting, Child, we think an adult could have convinced him to come with him. The police
10: canvassed the neighborhood, talking to people on the street, uh-huh. interviewing workers at a corner store near the school bus stop.
6: Hi, Juan. Hi. Uh, you heard anything? Anything she said? Nope. Anybody talking? Anybody Not saying open. anything? Huh? Nothing at all. Okay, thanks a lot. Keep your ears open. The longer we've gone without any bad news, I think that's good.
10: Detective Bill Butler was Ianello's
6: partner. Uh, he was last seen at uh, 7.55 a.m. We have leads. We don't know where we're going to end up on the leads that we have now. Well, they pronounce it eight times. Well, when you go this long on something like this, you do, you, you feel like you're looking for your own son.
10: The search for Aton dragged on. Detective Butler, a father with six children, lived and breathed the case. How did this case influence Bill
9: Butler? More than I could imagine. He was very, very tied into the case. In
10: 1986, Bill Butler took his own life. And there was speculation his frustration with this case may have been part of the reason why. The search went on without Butler. Julie and Stan had two other children to protect, Eitan's older sister and younger brother.
8: We keep saying we we try to lead normal lives, but in so many small ways, uh, it's just totally impossible. I mean, we have his belongings all over the house and yet uh, to put them away is saying to to us and to our children that uh, he's gone and he's not coming back.
2: And if we're patient, we'll get him back. But their patience
10: went unrewarded. The Pateses did everything they could to keep their story in the news, and that helped other missing children.
8: Everyone says, how many, where, why, what happens to them?
10: In the 1980s milk cartons showed Aton's face and then those of others but Aton remained among the missing. By 1998 a new detective was heading the missing person squad. Phil Mahoney was drawn to the case by of all things a poem titled The Missing Boy. It's about a mother and son looking at Eitan's missing poster.
7: I read that poem and I said, that's it. I want to work on the Aton Pates case. It was pretty much inactive. It had been inactive for many years.
10: It was cold.
7: It was colder than gold. We had to find the, the, the reports, put them back together.
10: Mahoney sorted through nearly two decades worth of work and some bizarre
7: tips. This tip about this cult in Westchester. Did that source say that Aton was there? Yeah, that Aton was killed by that cult and dumped. The
10: leads led nowhere. But there was someone who police were very interested in. Jose Ramos, the man who said he may have encountered a boy in Washington Square Park not far
7: from where the Pateses lived. Did he say it was Aton Pates? He has said he was 90 percent sure it was Aton Pates.
2: Yeah, pots yeah that was in the
10: papers in 79 in 1982 Jose Ramos was picked up by police for stealing some books from children he was homeless living in a drainage tunnel in New York City and former Lieutenant Phil Mahoney recalls Ramos had some disturbing photos
7: he had a bunch of photos of kids that looked like AI on pates. He was a shaky character, so he enjoyed looking at these photos.
10: So Ramos was questioned by investigators about the photos.
9: What is it,
2: what is it about that people say it looks like Eaton? The smile, I think. How about the hair? Maybe the hair, not that much. Susan used to take care of him, Susan Harrington.
10: Susan Harrington, Ramos's girlfriend, walked Aton to school during a bus strike. Shortly before, Eitan disappeared. Did you
9: know when he lived? In Soho. It was in the papers.
10: Investigators suspected Ramos was a pedophile who could have ties to Eitan.
7: There was enough there. There was a lot there to draw attention to him, certainly.
10: Eitan often played in Washington Square Park, a place Ramos was known to visit.
7: Jose Ramos has said several times that on May 25, 1979, he was here and a young, small, seven-ish, blonde kid came up to him and started talking to him, and Jose Ramos said at that point he eventually took the kid back to his apartment.
10: Ramos told that story to federal prosecutor Stuart Grabois, who had been working the case since 1985. Grabois and the FBI had, through the years, tracked leads around the world but they always came back to Ramos.
11: In June 1988, Ramos was uh, brought to my office and uh, proceeded to uh, state that he was 90% sure that the uh, young boy he took that day, May 25th, 1979, was the same boy whose picture he saw both in newspaper and on television, that being a Tom Pates.
10: Investigators learned Ramos had sexually molested children around the country.
11: One of the things he did was to travel around the United States in a converted school bus, giving out matchbox cars and toys and baseball cards to children, to young boys, to entice them onto the bus.
10: Grabois wanted to prosecute Ramos, even if it wasn't for the Aton Pates case. He succeeded in Pennsylvania. In 1990, Ramos pled guilty to molesting an eight-year-old boy and was sentenced to 10 to 20 years in prison. You've got a, a known pedophile who says that he's 90% sure that he picked up right, right, Aton Pate's, right. you know, a, around the time that he disappeared. Why
7: didn't you just go, okay, case closed? Because you didn't have that corroborating evidence. You didn't have that one person who said, "Yeah, I saw him and Aton in Washington Square Park." You got the
10: Investigators hunted for more evidence. In 2000, Mahoney ordered a search of an apartment building Ramos lived in when Aton disappeared. Ramos had allegedly told a fellow inmate this is where he disposed of Aton's body.
7: When he was in jail, Jose Ramos said that he put Aton into the furnace in the basement. This building? This building. And, you know, burned up the
10: body. But like so many tips in the Aton Pates case, nothing
7: came of it. There was just never that next thing to make you say, yep, that's it, close the books, we got the guy.
10: Mahoney felt they didn't have enough on Ramos to charge him with Aton's disappearance. Neither did the Manhattan D.A. at the time. But Stan Pates and Stuart Grabois were becoming more convinced Ramos was their man.
2: I believe this man stalked my son. I believe he lured him back to his apartment. I think he used him like toilet paper, and I think he threw him away.
10: Brian O'Dwyer is a prominent New York attorney and started representing the Pateses. He was friends with Stuart Grabois,
9: and in 2000, he approached Grabois with an idea. I said, you know, you have an opportunity, you may not have thought about it, but of taking a civil case against Ramos. It would be a wrongful death suit. O'Dwyer hoped
10: Ramos would be subpoenaed and might say something incriminating to help bring a criminal case. But before the wrongful death case could proceed, O'Dwyer had to ask the Pateses to officially give up hope. They would have to ask a court to declare their son dead.
9: It's one of the toughest things I've ever done in my practice.
10: And on June 19th, 2001, a judge declared that Aton Pates was officially
2: dead. I used to have fantasies of, of a taxicab pulling up in front and Aton coming out of it, but uh, that was a long time ago. I don't entertain those fantasies anymore.
10: The Pates's attorney went to the Pennsylvania prison where Ramos was being held to interview the man he believed had killed Aton Pates.
9: This was evil incarnate. If I met him on the street, I would have been very scared. And, and what did he say? He said that, yes, indeed, he was on the street that day, and he picked up a little boy by the name of Jimmy.
10: This time, Ramos did not say Eitan's name. Were you convinced that Ramos was the guy? Absolutely. Ramos would never answer more questions or testify in court, and the Pateses won the civil case against him.
9: Once and for all, at least, have a final declaration by a court of law that Jose Antonio Ramos caused the death of Eitan Pates.
10: It was a victory, but it was not the end of the fight.
9: The ultimate objective was to get a criminal prosecution. Did you think it was enough to prosecute him criminally? I did.
10: The Manhattan D.A. disagreed. He still would not charge Jose Ramos.
9: He thought he couldn't prove it beyond a reasonable doubt. Do you keep thinking about this case or did you move on? No, I never moved on. Never really? moved on. No. Jose Antonio Ramos was in prison, unpunished, for what he believed was the death of Eitan Bates.
10: But 33 years after Eitan disappeared, there was a tip.
6: This is where it all started.
10: And it could change everything in this case.
2: Think about my son every day. He's 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 gone, but I'll, I will never forget him.
10: As time passed for Stan and Julie Pates, Aton was and is frozen in time as a six-year-old gone missing. They remained convinced that Jose Ramos, the pedophile who was behind bars in Pennsylvania, was responsible for Aton's death.
2: I send them a a poster twice a year. And I write on the back, what did you do to my little boy?
10: From the time Aton disappeared in 1979 until 2009, one man held the position of Manhattan D.A., Robert Morgenthau. He never felt there was enough evidence to indict Ramos. But Morgenthau was retiring.
12: I support Cy Vance. And
10: Cyrus office. Vance Jr. was running for the office.
1: The Pates family reached out to me. And Stan asked me if I would look into the case.
10: And when Vance became Manhattan DA in 2010, he did look into it.
6: So, Vance was like, listen, we'd like to read, you no, know, fresh set of eyes, relook at it, go backwards, see what was missed. Lieutenant Chris Zimmerman headed the missing persons squad at the
10: time, and part of the fresh look included another look at jose ramos
1: we looked at the case for quite a while and i never was convinced that there was proof beyond a reasonable doubt that jose ramos was Aton's killer
10: and so the search for another suspect continued the fbi had been involved on and off since Aton's disappearance in april of 2012 Investigators took another look at this handyman who used to work for the Pates. Along with the NYPD, they started that dig. It was at the former site of the handyman's workshop. We're executing a search warrant regarding the disappearance of Eton Pates. It was not far from where the Pateses still live.
8: Excuse me.
10: The dig went on for five days as investigators sifted through subterranean spaces and decades-old dirt. It was starting to look like there might finally be some answers. We're cautiously optimistic we'll find evidence. In the end, nothing was found. The handyman was cleared. At This point, there's no obvious
2: human remains.
10: But this was not just another dead end. Far from it. In fact, it led to the first major turning point in this case. The call comes into our office, onto the phone right next to my desk. It came from Jose Lopez, who called police after he watched news coverage of the dig. Can you you tell us what brought you to the police? Thank you very much, Jose. Okay, that's what I went. He said his brother-in-law might be involved in the case. Detective Dave Ramirez helped lead the investigation. And who was his brother-in-law? Pedro Hernandez. Did you ever heard the name Pedro Hernandez before? No, sir, no. What did he tell you about his brother-in-law?
5: That he had made statements to various people about him having done something really bad to a child in New York.
10: Pedro Hernandez worked as a stock boy at that corner store by the bus stop. He was 18 when Eitan disappeared, and soon after, Hernandez left that job and moved home to New Jersey. Over the years, he had been divorced, remarried, and had children. He worked on and off at menial jobs and had no criminal record, but he had told people about hurting an unnamed child. So who had Hernandez spoken to?
5: There was a religious group, apparently, there was a retreat that they had gone on. They all had information to the fact that Ms. Hernandez did something to this child.
10: Ramirez learned Hernandez also told his ex-wife and a friend similar stories. Detectives' notes from 1979 show police at the time knew Hernandez worked at the store, but it is unclear if he was ever questioned. Why do you suppose he was not a suspect before?
6: I don't have the answer for it. I wasn't there. You know, I, I, I never got clarity on that, and I don't think I did either.
10: About two weeks after they learned about Hernandez, on May 23rd, 2012, police went to his New Jersey home to talk to him. I had uh, told him that we were
5: investigating an old missing persons case. In New York City, at that point, he, like, he
10: lost all the color in his face. Still, Hernandez readily agreed to go to the prosecutor's office in Camden, New Jersey, to be questioned. Was it hard to get him talking? No, no. He talked for six hours without a lawyer or a recording of the conversation. And during that time, he was shown a missing poster of Aton Pates. Later, the video camera was turned on.
5: Can you start telling us again exactly what you was told
10: us before? And Hernandez told them about seeing a boy outside the store where he worked.
7: He was who was waiting for the
10: school
7: bus? Who was waiting for the
9: school bus? What's his name?
10: Hey, Tom, These are the words that changed the course of one of America's most heartbreaking cold cases. Hernandez went on, telling police he offered Aitan a soda. Yeah.
2: I asked him him to go in the basement with
10: me to get the soda. It is hard to listen to his story. What
2: happened after
5: that?
2: Then I choked him. Yeah, when I choked him, he went like this. What made you do this? I don't know. I don't know. It was something that just
10: happened. He signed Eitan's missing poster, writing, I am sorry and choke him. And you recognize this to be
5: the boy that you choked that day? Yes,
10: okay. After the confession, Hernandez showed investigators where he said it happened 33 years earlier. Lieutenant Zimmerman recorded the walk with his cell phone. So Hernandez told you here that this was the basement entrance? Yes. So according to Hernandez, Eitan was that way from where we are. Yes. And he lured him in th- into the basement through this door? Yes, sir. Hernandez said he put Eitan in a box after choking him. Mm-hmm. Put him in a
5: box. And then put the box on his shoulder. Him, and Carry the box up out of here. At this point, I said, could you show us exactly the way you walked that day? We cross the street onto the other side. And how far down did he go? And then he went down to the corner. He went this way, right? Yes, he crossed the street here, and um, he stops here at this location. He said he went down some steps. He, he
10: took the body down here. Yes. And then he put the box down. Police believe the box was picked up by garbage collectors. Hernandez was interviewed again. Hey, Mr. Hernandez. Hi, hello. Hours after the Soho walk, this time by a prosecutor in the uh-huh. Manhattan DA's office.
6: Then I choked him and I tried to let go, but I just couldn't let him go.
10: He repeated the same story, and later that day, Pedro Hernandez was arrested.
1: We have a suspect in custody who has made a statement to the NYPD implicating himself in the disappearance of Aton Pates 33 years ago. Uh, he had confessed to killing Aton Pates. It was a credible confession.
10: So says the prosecutor. But soon questions were being asked about the six hours when Hernandez was questioned before the videotaping began. Why weren't those first hours videotaped?
12: Worried about letting someone else pick out the perfect avocado for your perfect impress-them-on-the-third-date guacamole? Well, good thing Instacart shoppers are as picky as you are.
6: It was a day or two shy of the 33rd anniversary. It was a day or two shy that we made the arrest.
9: This evening, the New York City Police Department is announcing the arrest of Pedro Hernandez, age
6: 51. Mr. Pace was taken back, a little surprised, and I would say overwhelmed. You know, it had to sink in, you know, 30 something years had to sink in. You know, I can't imagine not having an answer for that many years. For decades,
10: Stan and Julie Pates believed another man was responsible for their son's disappearance in 1979.
2: I believe this man stalked my son. I want him to admit it.
10: Now someone was admitting it. But it was this man, Pedro Hernandez.
2: He was waiting for the few and Then he went down
10: the when I it, he went After Hernandez was arrested, he was thought to be a suicide risk and taken to Bellevue Hospital.
11: I met him at uh, the prison ward.
10: Harvey Fishbein is Pedro
11: Hernandez's court-appointed attorney. I walked out of there and I said, the man has an issue that needs to be addressed. Uh, hear voices sometimes, Tell talking me. to me.
10: A defense psychiatrist diagnosed Hernandez with a personality disorder that can leave a person unable to differentiate between what's real and what's not. I had uh, visions. Do you think Pedro Hernandez knows if he killed Eitan Pates or not?
11: I, I I think he knows he didn't. And that's you the, think? That's, are you sure? It's hard to look into someone's mind, which is one of the real problems we have here.
10: The diagnosis of mental illness would be a major part of Hernandez's defense. And in January of 2015, two and a half years after his arrest, Hernandez went on trial for the murder of Aton Pates.
12: Aton Pates's father walked silently past reporters in the courthouse, finally hoping to see justice serve nearly 36 years after his young son's disappearance.
10: At trial, the defense would argue that Hernandez's mental illness made him make up the whole story of murdering Aton,
11: starting with seeing him by the bus stop. Pedro says, I saw him standing there.
9: He was waiting for the school bus."
11: Yet, no parent that was at the bus stop that morning who knew Aton saw Aton that morning. So the fact that Pedro said that he saw the child there when no one else did, immediately raises questions as to, did this actually happen or not? Hernandez told investigators he tried to hide Aton's book bag in the
10: basement of that store.
2: So I took the book bag and I threw it behind the freezer.
10: But Fishbein says the police would have searched that store, and if they did, they should have found the bag or some other evidence. That bag was never recovered. The defense also argued that Hernandez has a low IQ and is susceptible to suggestions.
11: We argued to the jury he's unreliable because of his low intellect, because of his psychiatric condition, and of course the story in the end does not make sense.
10: But the prosecution experts interviewed Hernandez. I'm going to say some words. And concluded he is not mentally ill and that the jury could believe his words. Prosecutors had home videos showing Hernandez socializing like anyone else. And they pointed out that Hernandez never reported any mental illness on a driver's license renewal form he filled out. Do you believe that he was competent to confess?
1: Uh, Absolutely, I think there was ample evidence that Pedro Hernandez was not uh, fabricating uh, this uh, homicide is the product of mental illness, but that he in fact was uh, admitting to something that had tortured him, and he confessed.
10: But Fishbein wants the jury to wonder what happened during those six hours before this videotaping began.
5: Can you start telling us again exactly what you just told us before?
11: There was an affirmative decision not to videotape what was going on.
1: All it would have taken was the pushing of a button. Why wasn't that taped? Uh, I think it was not taped because there was no legal requirement that it be taped. How do you know that they
10: didn't feed him information? How do you know they didn't berate him?
1: The way you assure yourself is by talking to the witnesses who were there. Uh, After speaking to those who were present and being informed of what happened, I did not doubt that uh, there was uh, anything but a fair handling of Mr. Hernandez and uh, the appropriate questioning of him.
10: Did you? give him any information about the crime when you were talking to Mr. Hernandez? No. Did you try and influence him? I wouldn't say, no. This was all of him just talking to you, volunteering this stuff? Yes. The defense argued police preyed on Hernandez's vulnerability and manipulated him to confess.
11: Pedro is a very religious person. One of the detectives says, Thank you, Patriot. I can't
7: begin to tell you how proud I am of you.
11: That's the strength of the Lord.
7: Right there is strength. That's the strength of the Lord.
11: What's the strength of the Lord? That he said something that they said they needed in order to make people feel better, that family to resolve it?
10: But the police would counter and the prosecutors would counter that this guy confessed to so many people over the years that. He corroborates his own
11: words. Well, they, they would like to say that.
10: That's accurate. That. I know,
11: and I don't think that's accurate.
10: The prosecution called those church members, Hernandez's ex-wife,
5: Who did you tell? You said you told your ex-wife, right?
10: and his friend, who all said Hernandez told them he did something bad to a young boy. But at the time, they never reported anything, because they didn't know whether to believe him.
1: If it was one statement in isolation, that would be one thing. Uh, there were a number of people to whom he unburdened himself. But Fishbein
10: told the jury those accounts varied, and Hernandez may have been making them up to look tough. And he offered the jurors another suspect, the man many, including the Pateses, first thought killed Aton, Jose Ramos, the known pedophile whose girlfriend knew Aton.
11: I feel certain that if the district attorney's office tried Jose Ramos,
1: he would be convicted. The evidence against Pedro Hernandez was much stronger than it had ever been against Jose Ramos.
10: The prosecutors had one piece of evidence they considered critical. It was something Hernandez said when he showed police where he said he dumped Aton's body. He noticed there was a door where he didn't remember one. And he says, there wasn't a door
9: there.
10: When they researched the building's history, prosecutors discovered Hernandez was right. The door was added after 1979.
1: That's a fact that was not known publicly that we believed only the killer would know. But the
10: defense says Hernandez wasn't even sure which building it was. Which
11: one He said, oh, I thought maybe this is it. And then he looks and he says, No, this is it.
10: It was a lot for the jurors to sift through. The trial took nearly three months. And in April 2015, they began deliberating and deliberating for 18 days.
2: What happened
10: after that? For 18 days, the jury considered Pedro Hernandez's confession to the murder of Aton Pates. A big bone of contention was the mental health issue. We debated that for days. Adam Sirois was one of the jurors. The other issue that was very
7: sticky at first was the confession. Everyone felt very upset about not being able to see the entire interview.
10: The jurors disagreed on whether the confession could have been coerced. Twice they told the judge they were at an impasse. And the third time they reported they could not reach a verdict, on May 8, 2015. This
11: has been a very long trial and a very long deliberation. The judge declared a mistrial. Our long ordeal is not over. When they said they were unable to reach a decision, we believed it was going to be 11 to 1 for acquittal. It was
10: 11 to 1, but not for acquittal. Only one juror voted not guilty. It was Adam Sirois. Do you remember the date? No. How no. are no. The date was
3: 25.
10: He found the confession hard to believe, not knowing what went on before the camera started rolling. You know it's very hard for people to wrap their minds around the idea yeah. that somebody would confess to murdering a child yeah. if he didn't actually do
7: it. Yeah, and a lot of the jurors said that in, in our deliberations. But the whole reason why you don't just throw someone in jail when they confess is that there's a lot of people out there with mental illness that can confess to lots of crimes, and it doesn't mean they're all guilty.
10: But the rest of the jurors believed Hernandez was guilty.
13: Pedro Hernandez, you know what you did.
10: Still, 11 out of 12 is not enough to convict, and Stan Pates was obviously
2: disappointed. This man did it. He said it. How many times does a man have to
1: con- confess before someone believes him? Stan was uh, was unequivocal in his support that the case should be retried, and so we did. About a a year-and-a-half later,
10: Pedro Hernandez went on trial again. The evidence and the issues were the same as the first trial. And, like the first trial, it was long, more than three months. And this trial also ended with a long deliberation, nine days. Did it start feeling
11: like the first time to you? Um, Nothing (laughs) felt like that 18 days the first time. But, yes, it was reminiscent of that. we were just trying to understand what was going on. It's impossible to try to read a jury. But unlike the
10: first trial, this jury reached a verdict. Pedro Hernandez was convicted of killing Aton Pates 37 years after
2: the first grader left home and vanished. The Pates family has waited a long time, but we finally have found some measure of justice for our wonderful little boy, Eitan. I am truly relieved and I'll tell you, it's about time. It really is, it's about time.
10: Pedro Hernandez was sentenced to 25 years to life. Why do you think this case was so hard to solve? Why
6: did it take so long? I think people had great intentions. I think people got focused on people like Ramos, not criticizing anybody independently, because it made a lot of sense. I mean, he's an evil man. He's just not our evil man. It's a
10: feeling now shared by others who were once convinced Jose Ramos murdered Aton Pates before police found Pedro Hernandez.
9: If I were on the jury, I would have come with the same verdict. Do you still think of Aton Pates? I do. What do you think about? It could have been my son.
10: That is the thought that still haunts so many involved in this case.
7: My kids are like 22, and I still think about it when when they're out of sight and out of mind.
9: We were kind of hoping that it would be like a movie ending where the, the boy would eventually walk in the door. But it didn't work out that way. I notice a couple of times you've looked down at this.
10: Yeah, yeah. Why do you, does this still mean something
6: yeah, this this is this is the poster we remember the most, I would say. This is the kids looking right at me. I feel for the family. I'm a father myself, and so is Dave. Case is solved, but? Solved, but I never give them complete closure. I couldn't give them their son back. Would have loved to give them their son back.
1: Aton would be 46 years old. His remains have never been found. Pedro Hernandez's legal team has
5: filed
3: an appeal.
13: Audible is the destination for thrilling audio entertainment. Allow your imagination to be piqued New members can try Audible free for 30 days. Visit audible.com slash thrill or text thrill to 500-500. That's audible.com slash thrill or text thrill to 500-500.
3: If you're listening to this podcast, then chances are good you are a fan of the Strange, Dark, and Mysterious. And if that's the case, then I've got some good news. We just launched a brand new Strange, Dark, and Mysterious podcast called Mr. Bolland's Medical Mysteries. Go follow Mr. Bolland's Medical Mysteries wherever you get your podcasts. And if you're a Prime member, you can listen early and ad-free on Amazon Music.
1: A story of betrayal you would struggle to believe if it wasn't true. Listen to Blood is Thicker, the Hargan family killings wherever you get your podcasts.